Coastal Edition. This is episode 116. I'm coming to you live from beautiful Southern California. DB, you are all the way on the other side of the country in New York. What's going on, brother? I am sitting in fresh row at UBS Arena at Belmont Park uh, after I attended the Jets-Dolphins game at MetLife Stadium, even though I'm from you know, New Jersey and I had season tickets for the Giants at Giants Stadium. I've never been to MetLife Stadium, so I had some time to go this afternoon. Went over there, now back in uh, Fresh Row for the Leafs and Islanders in a beautiful building. It's a no expense was spared with respect to uh, UBS. And it's funny because some people, even the, even the in arena announcers, they're pronouncing it USB Arena on TV sometimes. <laughs> a USB. I'm like, no, but UBS, they paid a lot of money for that name. Right? So, but uh, looking forward to uh, another return for John Tavares tonight. But uh, happy to talk with you and let's get to all right, so I will no longer feel bad when correcting you on TSC, and I'm telling you it's TSPC. It's no, the same no. thing. They, they paid a lot of money to exactly. get the name right, so get it right, my friend. I, now, I need to get it right. For sure. <laughs> now, some people might not be pleased with the audio quality of this episode, but uh, if you've been listening oh, to the course. last few episodes and you're aware of the delays on our shows, DB has had a busy schedule. I've had a busy schedule. We can't seem to be in Southern California at the same time. I was in uh, Vegas and then Sacramento and a number yeah. of different places. And then DB was up in Montreal and then now he's in New York. And so instead of waiting for the perfect moment of us being in the same room at the same time to record, we just said, screw it. And we're giving you guys some content. So, uh, Coming up in the second period will be the Ontario Reign head coach, John Robleski. They're off to a fantastic start. I will tell everybody in fairness, we did record the episode with Robleski on Saturday because the Reign are playing Sunday and Monday, back-to-back games against Stockton. We'll tee that up in just a few minutes. Uh, and then the uh, Kings are playing here in Los Angeles tonight because we're re- Dennis and I are recording our portions of the episode on Sunday. So bear with the timelines here. Don't become too disjointed. And uh, just be happy, people, that we're putting out content. Yeah. Right, DB? Yes, John, please. Don't worry about the details. <laughs> You're getting content. I mean, John, how about the request for emergency podcast <laughs> and the name to crypto.com from Emergency oh. podcast. People, just exhale, relax. Like John said, Thanksgiving's coming up. Be grateful, be happy for what you Yes. Yes, just be be happy, everybody. DB, I don't know. I went from I, I went from the heel turn now to the super baby face. I don't know what's no, going on. I know. 
was like, uh, you yes. never know, John. I understand. I understand it's difficult for people. They don't like change. Staples Center was around no. since 1999, well, 20 years later. Uh, the name of the building is, is, is changing, or a little bit more than 20 years. But, DB, it is a fascinating story, Staples to Crypto, just because of the whole... Yeah. At the ten-year point, halfway through, halfway into that state or the uh, Staples contract, there was an option, and Staples opted to go, yeah. you know, in perpetuity to take over the name, and then, sure. and then that dissolved in 2019. Uh, perpetuity, I guess, only lasted another ten years, and then you know, right. hey, but now it's at 700 million for crypto. You know, call it whatever you want. If you don't, uh, if you don't, if you don't like the name of the new building, just go. You know, scratch some uh, coins together, get your friends together, come yeah. up with 750 or 800 million, and you guys can call the building whatever you want to call it. Yeah, bid 36 million. It goes to 35 over 20 years, John. You sign every time, and so I've got no problem with this business. And can you mention? I think the one unknown was that. Uh, AEG bought back the name rights. Yes. So that was that was kind of like because you were trying to connect the dots like you always do, and that was the that was the missing link with respect to connecting the dots on, on why this occurred. Yes, and we had texted uh, or called Kelly Cheeseman a few weeks back and said that look, Dennis and I, we were out at five hundred million. That was our max offer. So, <laughs> you know, good on crypto for jumping in there and yeah. uh, and, and and you know pushing it up to seven hundred million. So that's good. I don't know, DB. We're I'm still lobbying to get the mayor's manor sticker on the side of the helmet. I don't even care if it's the practice I helmet. I think it would look no, nice. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. Agreed. It doesn't. Um, so let's quickly bring everybody up to speed with what's going on with the Ontario rain, because there are not only lineup implications uh, head, or there were heading into today's game, but also just overall what's on the line. So the uh, Ontario rain, we're off to a fabulous, fabulous start. And really the rain would have been the top team in the league. Had it not been for breathing down their necks, you had the Stockton heat, which is the yeah. Calgary flames, AHL affiliate. They are on fire literally uh, as, as well. So um, you're talking about a nine Oh nine winning percentage for the Stockton heat and 875 winning percentage for the Ontario Reign. So both teams are crushing it. They are now going to play back-to-back games in Ontario Sunday and Monday. That'll be the battle of first place in the Pacific Division. But believe it or not, TB, there actually is a team in the American League with a yes. better record than that. I mean, how do you do it? Isn't Utica undefeated or something? Yes, yes. Utica is like twelve and zero, setting an AHL record. So, just imagine if your coach John Robleski and the Ontario Rain players, you had a horrible start to the season last year. You come out of the gates right. this year. You're playing eight seventy five. You're on fire, and you're not even in first place inside your division because the uh, Stockton Heat are are barely ahead of you, and then you have Utica who is crushing it. At the league level, yeah. TB, what are you? Are you in the subway direct- now? What's going on? No, no. There's there's announcements. There's you know <laughs> going on uh, with respect to the. Uh, there's no there's no trend. It would be LIRR, I think, out here. But yeah, John, the, the Rain have the third best record in the league. Yes, you're not even the second best. Like yeah. third, <laughs> right? That's yes. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, today did mark, and this is interesting because we're recording this just after the first period in Ontario uh, today, game one with Stockton. And so the lineup changes going into today is Turcotte slid down to the 2C. He had been playing the 1C while Tynan was up with the Kings on the road trip. So he, uh, Tynan that is, assumed his regular role as the 1C. Turcotte back to the 2C, reunited with Wagner and Madden, and then Jod keeping his line together that he's been playing with, uh, which included Sammy Fagum 
Dynamo and uh, Kachev. But the interesting thing is Gabe Velarde, having been recently sent to the Ontario Reign, was returning to play his first game since February of 2020 uh, in the AHL and nearly three years to the date of his AHL debut, which came November 29th back in 2018. Uh, he's playing today. And guess what, DB? In the first period, if you followed my Twitter... Velarde already scored a goal in the first period back. He's playing with Martin Furk. He sent the puck to the front of the net. And uh, at first, it looked like Furk might have uh, caught the rebound there to get the goal. But no, they ended up crediting Gabe Velarde. So at first intermission, as we record this, uh, Gabe Velarde has a goal, DB. Hey, well, way to raise your trade value, Gabe. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, just to reset that for everybody, Gabe Velarde's trade value right now is really at an all-time low uh, because he is stuck in that gray area, that middle zone. He's no longer a promising prospect uh, where somebody would want to get him one year removed from the draft, let's say, and his stock is no longer on the come for a guy who needs a change of scenery. So he needs to, to Dennis's point, play better to either secure a spot in the LA lineup or to get traded out of town. One or the other, DB. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I, I said a little confusing, but he, this is it, John, right? I mean, now he, he went from two C to full C to healthy stretch. He has to produce. It's, this is it. This is over for him. And, and it's not over for him per se, but this is, he has to deliver at this point. Yeah, and he uh, he certainly is going to be given the opportunity. Like I mentioned, he's going to be on the top line. He's reunited with Martin Furk. He's on the top line. He's sure. getting minutes. He'll be getting first power play time. So it's not really about today's game. I mean, that's great that he scored, but it's not about right, today's right. game. It's about what he does over the next five, eight, ten games. It's what he does over the next couple of weeks uh, that really, you know, Robo and uh, Coach Todd McClellan will be will be comparing notes sure. and, and sort of, you know, seeing what's going on with Gabe Velarde. And if he gets to the point where it's time for a return, uh, up to the Kings, then, of course, GM Rob Blake is going to be faced with some difficult decisions, as he has been recently, where to fit Gabe Velarde into the lineup. That's that's a real question, I think. Uh, absolutely, John. It's a better, hard decision than last season when you couldn't find players to score. I think, I, look, it's still being challenged, but you know, the, Har the Carolina Hurricanes game, they did score a lot. But I, I agree, John. Like, if he produces, it's, it's another good problem to have. It's another trend of this organization in the right direction where you have, like you mentioned, numerous times, John, and there was going to be a tipping point. There's too many forwards, too many players. And, and if Gabe produces down there, maybe the familiarity of Perk, as you mentioned, uh, that happens and they click, great. It's great for the organization regardless. So one final note here before we uh, get to the John Robleski interview. Uh, uh, defensively speaking, the Ontario Reign, is, that's going to be something interesting to watch over the next couple of weeks because although they did the flip with Dursey and with Strand, and we'll get into Dursey in the third period, but with Strand uh, now back with the Ontario Reign, they have six healthy defensemen. They don't even have a seventh defenseman at this point. And oh, by the way, Grands is going to be leaving in a couple of weeks to go join Team Sweden for the World Junior Championships. So Ontario is going to need to do something to come up with some defense and, and so, yes, Drew Doughty is ahead of schedule and he might be returning for L.A. at some point, but you really can't bank on that because that's probably still a couple of weeks away, Dennis. Sure. Yeah, and he can have a setback, whatever. It's sure. great that he's on ice in a non-contact jersey. That's wonderful. But there's no guarantee, I think, what, you know, the chat was Christmas, right? So if you if you move that up 10 days, that's December 15th, and, you know, that's still one month away. So, yeah, you can't depend on that. He's not coming back to the lineup at the end of his home stand. So you still have to have you no know, other defensemen on the blue line to turn. All right, so there you go. So let's uh, get to the other side of the break. We'll bring in Coach John Robleski. Robo's always fun, and uh, we have a ton of questions, player-specific and team-specific. Uh, we'll be back right after the break with John Robleski. Someone falls to pieces, sleeping 
Welcome back. Second period. Uh, it's taken a minute here between my schedule and Robo's schedule to get everything to line up, but uh, we're excited now to bring him into the program. Robo, what's going on? How you doing, Bear? I'm doing outstanding. Now, look, I know you don't like the softballs. You know when I bring the, or you like when I bring the hammer right away, but I'm going to try to ease into it today. I don't know how it's going to go, uh, but we'll try to ease into it and save the good stuff for maybe like the middle and the end. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, I know it's Thanksgiving time, so we can have a little filler. That's fine. All right, but uh, the first one, I, I think it might be at least a curveball. It's not a knuckleball, but at least a curveball. Um, I'm curious. So, you know, look, the team got off to a rough start last year. Everybody knows that. We've talked about it. But what I'm wondering is, fast forward to this year, at what point, I mean, the team opens up, you're 9-0-1, you're in first place. At what point during that stretch did you kind of puff your chest out a little bit and be like, yeah, yeah? Yeah, I, none. You, uh, <laughs> come on, you, 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 well, you, you, well, you get, you get text, you get calls, um, you know, it starts, it, it, my, my family knows me well enough to not, not say, oh, you guys are off. My friends know me enough to, to, to keep it, uh, copacetic, uh, but colleagues and, and, you know, people around, uh, my agent, things like that. Oh man, you guys are killing it. You, it's sort of like, um, you know, you, you turn your back on the ocean and then you, then things can start to go, <laughs> start to go sideways, uh, real, real quick. So, uh, I know that this, this game is fragile and I know that, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's always 60 minutes. And even, even when you're up a few goals with five minutes left in the game, you, you really, I don't know, there's just something, something about hockey that you, you just really can't, uh, can't ever take it for granted. So, okay, let me ask it a different way then, because I appreciate the humility. But here's the thing: last year, the team is like zero for fifty to start the season. You're 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 feeling <laughs> it. You're you're questioning your existence, right? Why did I pick my family up? Why did I move them to Southern California? How long until they come in and talk to me and tell me to pack my suitcase? Like you're just wondering, did I forget how to coach? Like it's terrible. It's the middle of a pandemic. Life is stressful. It wasn't fun. It wasn't a good time, right? But well. Okay, I'll, I'll 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 stop you in the in the middle of that. Sure. Our, uh, you, it, it luckily and and, I'm, and fortunately, and I would say that um, you know possibly, you know we we talked about this last year, but uh, we just we just didn't capitalize at the proper times last year. But we were playing really good hockey for the majority of those games that we lost. Okay, and our analytics department would back that up and also our video would, would back that up. You go through the scoring chances and you're saying we're just not scoring and we're giving up. You know, we just, we couldn't capitalize at the right times, which that didn't, that didn't, uh, if you were just, you know, if you were downright deficient in getting out shot and out chance and everything else, then yeah, you'd start to question what you're doing. But you know, we had a we had a, a, a solid collection of players, and they just weren't ready to win yet. And that's a it's a fragile thing. And so, sure. um, it, it, to think that uh, you know, it, it, I guess a few years of doing what you've been doing, just because it doesn't work right away, doesn't uh, doesn't deter you from from belief. You know, I guess it would take it would take a long uh, runway of of things not going proper for me to to think that you know the method isn't uh, isn't going to work. 
Okay, I'm trying to make this a positive thing here as I pick at this scab, but your, you know, your optimism and your your neutrality in looking at it. Because by the way, I do agree with you. It wasn't like you guys were getting blown out and it was no. it was it was ugly hockey. That wasn't the case for anybody that watched. People wanted to just look at the record and chirp. But my point here really is this. I get that when you're 9 and one and you don't want to get too high because the ocean's behind you. I, I get all of that. But at some point, you're in Starbucks, you're grabbing a coffee, and you know you guys had rolled, rattled off a number of wins. You had to pause for 30 seconds and just have a big smile and just take a victory lap. Because I think victory laps are important in life. You, you can't get too high, right? You, you can't get full of yourself. But it's okay to take a victory lap, and that's really what I'm getting at. At what point... Were you driving around in the Jeep with your hair blowing in the wind and, and you just kind of <laughs> smiled? You threw on some Guns and Roses and you were like, yeah, dude, this is cool. Well, what I, what I will say is if there's ever a time where I do get to sit back and really appreciate what, uh, what, the, what the group has accomplished, and I, and I can't emphasize that enough, is watching them um, do their thing in practice. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, I think that, I think from Sutter, Sutter on down, there's a different, a different, you know, and I, I don't love this word, but I think it's one that kind of, you know, blends everybody together. Swagger, there's mm-hmm. a different swagger about the, about the team, like, and the way that they practice, the way that they, the puck, the puck is snapping a lot crisper this year. Um, you know, it's Sean Dersey, uh, in practice, you know, help, helping the power play guys out, maybe being a little bit more assertive, even, you know, you look at a guy that's like, um, maybe not, doesn't have as, as much accolade. Marcus Phillips, you know, we're, we're doing our tip, our, you know, tip drills that we do in practice that are pretty regularly. And, and he's, you know, commanding, Hey, telling the forwards, Hey, show me your stick, like in this spot, you know, and it's like just a different amount of, I think, guys uh, comfortable in their skin and not that not that I would ever say that you know Brett Sutter need, needed a reason to say that but I got to report back to him there's just a different a different level of uh, you know confidence and I think it, it comes with having guys like like Ferky and and tying in you know and like having those guys in your lineup you kind of you kind of you know know that they can they can get the job done for you um, and then that that just kind of funnels now, sort of a follow up to this and some of the stuff that you were talking about, you know, previously here uh, and, and looking back on your career, I, I would imagine or I, I should say I know I'm, I'm, I'm pretty close to the situation, having talked with you quite a bit about it last year that you kind of expected this. Now, maybe you didn't expect so much success early on through the first 10, 12 games or whatnot, but you did expect some of this, right? Because uh, at the U.S. program, you, you would talk with me about look, you know, when the kids come in and they're in the 17s and then they go to 18s and just, you know, that year of maturity last year, everybody, they were baby pros. They were first year pros. They didn't know what life in the American league is like. And for some fans, they just look at the Kings prospect pool and they want to know why the team didn't go, you know, 41 and 0 last year in the AHL with the top rated prospect pool. When the reality is they were first year pros, they had to learn how to do it. So now you come back for year two, I'm imagining, I'm assuming that coming into the season, you kind of expected a little bit of this. Is that right? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I think, you know, and, uh, and you and I, you and I've talked about, about how confidence is earned and, uh, you know, like that, um, that belief in yourself, it, 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 it is, it's something that you have to manufacture and you have to, you have to grind to achieve. And the people, 
and I don't want to say this the wrong way, but they, they've got no idea how good players are in the American Hockey League, how good, um, you know, it, I guess like, you know, the teams that kind of manhandled us last year, uh, Bakersfield, how good Cracknell is, how, how sturdy Malone is, how uh, proud Carrick, you know, is the, the captain who's, who's up with the Ducks now, but he had, to, you know, he, he spent a lot of time in the American League. How, how good these guys are, it's like, it, it, it's crazy. I mean, um, you know, and it, it, they, yeah, of course they're not, they don't, they don't hold the candle of Kopitar, but they're at the same, at the same time, they're so close to almost being that. Like it's, it's, and, and our guys, they, they have to, they have to earn their stripes and you only, you only get that through the wear and tear of, of the grind. And, uh, you know, it's not that I can, I can say that from, I, I never, I never got to, you know, be that as an American leaguer, but I do understand and, uh, appreciate how difficult it is to, to get to the, to the cusp of, of playing in the NHL and being dominant at a, at a level. So, um, you know, the, our guys are, I think our guys are still working through that, you know, and I can't wait to, uh, you know, to see what the day when, when, you know, the majority of them uh, get to get to realize their dream. Yeah. Now, look, this is the last high level one. Then I want to drill into very specific players. So, yeah, it's all fun and games. You guys have been winning. You, you know, you're feeling good, that earned confidence and whatnot. But at some point, do you look at the standings and just go, really? Like, really? You, you win 10 of 12 games. You guys are just off to a phenomenal start. And it doesn't even matter. You're in second place at this point because Stockton has been equal to what you guys have been doing do you just kind of go really like uh come on now well you know it's interesting you bring that up i was texting with uh with kevin Neen and utica this morning and <laughs> they're 12 uh, and 0 <laughs> i know just got an american <laughs> league record you know and uh, we were talking we were we were just texting about how you know i i just had to drop them a line and say how how cool it was to see that because any any record you break in a three-letter league is pretty pretty awesome and so um, you know, we had a, we had a good exchange and it was a, a lot of it's about how, well, I mean, how do you, how do you capture those, those key moments? Like, is it, in it, it's your, it's it, a lot of things have to line up for things, for things to go properly. You know, I look at the, the second game in Abbotsford, uh, to me might, might be the kind of encapsulate the whole thing. We got outplayed that night. Um, we got outshot, we got a chance, but you know, Sparks was totally in control from the get-go and then they happen to take a you know a high sticking penalty in the offensive zone and we score twice on the, on the power play and it's like well and then Tynan scores in overtime but you know like the winning winning I guess is a it's an interesting uh, you know do, do you feel good when you when you win but you didn't play well or do you feel better when you play well and, and didn't outscore the opponent i i still wrestle with that one all the time and mm -hmm. so i think that that's one that uh you know will always always challenge me but uh it, it, there's there's lessons to be learned in all well that's sort of a different twist on the age-old question you know does the player like to win more or does he hate to lose more and you know you see that in certain players so that's interesting uh look you mentioned the goaltending and and 
it's never one thing, right? So we can't say it's because of better goaltending or, you know, last year was because of worse goaltending. It's never just the defense. It's never just the offense. It's never just special teams. It is a team effort. It's a team game. We get that. But let's drill into some of the individual aspects of the game because the goaltending is certainly front and center in the conversation. I mean, last year, the goaltending was subpar. You didn't get the the goaltending, the timely saves that you needed. There were the feel-good stories there with J.F. Berube coming home to the, you know, to the Ontario reign, and there was Valalta stepping in and looking to be the number one goaltender that, now that Cal Peterson had been elevated to the NHL, et cetera. So all the stories were there, but at the end of the day, you know, the stats tell the truth in many cases, and the goaltending wasn't there. And this year, it's been the exact opposite, other than the one game, there was the one really bad game, I think, where you had to you had to pull Volta and put Sparks in there. But overall, the goaltending most nights, from my perspective, has been, I would say, surprising. Would you Would you agree with that? I I would say that uh, I don't know if surprising is the word that I would use because they're, I think they're both quality goalies that you know have a ton of pride in their trade. Um, and so if we didn't see signs of this from Volota last year, then you're right. It would, it would have been surprising. Um, but at the end of, at the end of the year, last year, last 15 games, Maddie was in the net. He was very efficient goaltending. And, you know, he, I, I talked a little bit, um, to a couple different publications about how he sort of, I thought that he just got, he got better technically. Um, even work ethic was ne- is never an issue with Maddie, mm-hmm. but he, he got better technically. He, he got uh, more efficient in his net. He got, he, he used his six, three frame a lot, a lot, just better at blocking the puck than trying to, to stop it which is you know instead of using making the uh, exotic athletic save on a simple shot he would he he and matt matt miller they figured out you know hey you only need to do this to stop this puck you don't the more is not is not better you know and i think they they found a, a very happy medium and then maddie just is such a good guy and such a good teammate that i think that he just kind of Kind of stuck stuck with his process, and, and and with the goalies, I mean, you see it all the time that they they all kind of find their way at, at different times. And um, I'm not surprised that he's that he's playing like he is. And and Sparks has been around for a long time, sure. and he's uh you know he he's another guy that I think they've fed off each other very nicely. That he's very comfortable in the skin. You know, he's a unique individual, like a lot of goalies are, and he's. <laughs> He's comfortable in his skin, and that's uh, it's pretty. It's pretty cool to see those two. They're they're best buddies off the ice, and they cheer for each other on the ice. And yeah, it's it's pretty neat. Okay, look, uh, the Kings goaltending uh, coaches. I have a tremendous amount of respect for all of them. They've done a wonderful job, especially putting guys like Jack Campbell back together, and they've done wonders with so many of the goalies through the years. Um, so they can stay on the payroll. That's fine. But I, I can just fast forward this whole conversation. I can tell you exactly what the problem was. Last year, Matty Valalta had uh, SpongeBob on the helmet. He went to Fred Flintstone this year. We all know the Flintstones are better than SpongeBob. So it's simple. Just leave it at that. I'm telling you right now, if he ever put Scooby-Doo on the helmet, he's going to end up winning a Vesna in the NHL. It's just that simple. I, that I, I can, uh, it, okay. Um, I'm not going to knock on SpongeBob. I'm not a, not a fan, but I won't knock it. Uh, but you are Fred Flintstone is, 
is a very underrated cartoon. I will I will agree with that. Absolutely. See, this is not as hard as you're making it out to be. I'm telling you, I could do this. It's easy. <laughs> Just easy. Come on now. Come on, Robo. Um, let's look. No, let's, I'm with you. You're good. You're good. <laughs> I, I hear you. Let's talk about, you mentioned the veteran. You mentioned TJ Tynan. And one of the things that was lacking on this team last year was sort of that, that veteran presence. And it's not just about, you know, Sutter. It's not what I'm talking about. But you guys tried a couple different things. You brought DSP in. It really didn't seem to work out and give you what you needed. But to be able to bring in a guy like TJ Tynan, the, the reigning AHL MVP, and it's it's an afterthought for Kings fans because, of course, they want to talk about the prospects. And, and we do, too, here on the program, right? We want to talk about Turgot and Fagamo or however you pronounce his name this week and, and Madden and all these different guys. But talk about just the importance of bringing a guy like that in because he obviously was making a huge difference in those first 10 or 12 games or 10 games before he was called up. But now I'm curious about this. He was the number one center. Turcotte was playing 2C. So what do you do now that Tynan's back with Ontario? Do you move Turcotte back down to the 2C? Do you move Tynan over? Plus you have Gabe coming in. We'll get to Velarde, so put a pin in that. But what do you do with the Tynan and the Turcotte thing now at the 1C? Well, okay, so you were all over the map. What, what bringing in a guy like... <laughs> Bringing a guy like Tynan, not only does it help your team uh, manufacture scoring chances and hopefully goals and then and ultimately wins, hopefully, um, what he does is he, he sets a bar. So TJ, you know, I, I, I need to experience the National League before I can I can speak of why he's not there, but as far as dominance, it's it's unprecedented how good he is and what his like expected goals are game to game. It's just like it's off the charts. And so, okay, if I'm gonna be if I'm gonna make the the National League, I gotta somehow be better than this guy. Mm-hmm. At, you know, at the American League level, that's what that's what I think really drives your team. Um, bringing bringing a guy like that in, could we could we win without him? Possibly, yeah. We could find a way. We'd, we'd have a different way of doing it. We we won games without him in the lineup when he was called up. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's a it's an unbelievable luxury to have. But you also have the guys around him have to appreciate. You know that's how hard it is to make it to the NHL. If mm-hmm. this guy can't play, in, if this guy can't play in the league right now, then how hard is it to get there? Mm-hmm. It's really, it's very difficult. So that there's a, there's a lot of reasons to bring in a guy like bring a guy like Tynes in. Um, I, I think he's got game in him, and it, there's obviously when you, when you talk about making the, making the NHL, there has to be a fit. So you can't just, just cause he's good here. doesn't mean that you automatically get to play in the NHL. You have to, there has to be a fit with the parent club. So, um, and uh, there's, there's, he, he's, he, I can't tell you how, how often does it work with a guy like that every day, how, how much he drives the, the culture of the team, the pride he has in his job, uh, and of course the skill level. It just amps everybody up because the other thing too is when, you know, I, I'll bank back in my, my previous experience of like dealing with like Jack Hughes and, and Trevor Zegras, um, how they would sort of like one guy would would do something, and then the other one would sort of like you know take take that that thing to another level, and then the other one would up up the other guy, uh, you know whether it's a, a sauce or pass, it's been a rama, 
uh, toe drag, a flip puck. You know, they would they would they would have this like little competition within themselves uh, to have you know just internal competition, and that was, I think that's what you know having a guy like TJ at this point in his career really you know, bolsters our our situation. Now, by the way, I do appreciate the fact that you're telling me that uh, little little verbal chirp there that I'm all over the board. I was trying to serve up sort of, a, you know, three, four topics at once, giving you a softball, <laughs> letting you pick and choose like an A, B, C, D, multiple choice. Which type of the where in the question do you want to answer? So it's all right, though. I have a couple coming for you soon. Don't worry about it. So let's get to the second part of that question. What do you do with Tynan and Turcotte? Uh, you know, do you move Turk over to the wing? Does Turk slide down to two C? Does Tynan get does he go back to the one C? What, what do you do in that situation? Well, I think it would, it would, it's also premature to say that that Turcotte's two C when we have you know Jad in the in the lineup as well. We've got what I would call a top a top nine, and then we have a momentum line. But not, none of none of the players at in the top nine are more valuable than the guys uh, that that play a momentum role for us. Uh, so uh, you know, organizationally, uh, Gabe is gonna is gonna slot in on the wing. So that he can start to, you know, I guess um, he's going to be able to broaden his horizons in, in, in regard to being able to play the wall, uh, you know, find his way into being that that top six forward that, that everyone knows he can be. Uh, so Turcotte stays in the middle um, in the top nine, uh, and we leave. We put Ferky on the left wing with um, with Tynes and Gabe. Okay. All right, so uh, let's talk about Jod then. So, I mean, to me, he was the three C, just the way that you had them lined up. But okay, he's, he's yeah. He's, just, you know, I mean, that's how the line chart goes. That's fine. That's you, fine. You draw it up one day, but yeah, you know, what, whatever number fine. he is, whatever number he is, doesn't matter. Just tell me about his game and what you see differently in him, if anything, because he's so he's so consistent. He's just that guy that shows up with his lunch pail and does his job. But what have you seen differently from him this year, if anything, you know, compared to last year? Is that is that Jad? Sorry. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So what I, I I never I mean I never got to appreciate how how good Jad was last year because he was in the NHL. I never saw him. So the the one time we did get him, I think it was a paper transaction. It was like it, it was almost like the first day of American League camp, and we only had like eight or nine forwards, and he was one of them. It was really you know sort of a a weird. Uh, you know, to time to have him because we knew that he wasn't long for us in, in the, with the, uh, uh, the taxi squad situation. So he was only, he was only down for like a day or two, but what a pro he is that you saw it. He's just so diligent. He's one of those guys where it probably gets thrown around a little too carelessly, but foxhole, like if you were ever in a situation where you needed, needed somebody to like, to really cover you, you'd want, you'd want Jad. And, uh, the thing that I've come to appreciate with him besides that, because I love his warrior mentality, his diligence, his, you know, respect for the game and his, uh, his daily, daily routine, but he's got a nasty skill set too. Very underrated. I mean, the goals that he scored, uh, the Sunday afternoon against Colorado, uh, kind of highlight that, but man, oh man, he is, you know, he can fit a, fit a puck up underneath the bar very efficiently. And, it's not, it's not choppy. It's pretty. It's a very smooth skill set. Uh, one that you know maybe can even continue to round out, and make him, you know, Jaden Schwartz at the at the NHL level type of type of player. So, I'm I'm a big fan, and I, I 
he's he's one of those rare guys that you have that you when he rolls over the board you're you're very confident the puck's not going to end up in your net and in your you're also fairly confident that there's a better chance that you're going to it's going to end up in the back of the other team now, look, uh, you and I have talked music before. We've talked about Guns N' Roses and Audio Slave and Chris Cornell and whatnot. Where do you land on Gabe's musical choices, by the way? Because I don't know if anybody's told you. If he pots a goal uh, in this Stockton series here, his song selection for his goal song is the talking head, Psycho Killer. What do you think about that? Oh, wow. Yeah. Talking head. Yeah. That is, that, that's, some, that's some deep, deep stuff from a... Uh, I'm a player uh, born. In, is, he, is he in the 2000s or is he yeah. late night? It's, it's clearly outside of his wheelhouse. But what the, the, oh, back, the quick backstory there is that he started when he started in Ontario. He didn't have a goal song. You know, they came to him. They said, hey, you know, uh, Lardo, what, what, what's your goal song? And he's like, I don't know. I don't have one. You know, and they're like, OK, well, go home and think about it and come back. And it, it, it seriously it took him like 10 or 12 games to kind of figure it out. And I guess uh, he was palling around with Volalta. I don't know if they were driving around town or at home listening to the radio or whatever but apparently the song came on the radio at some point and gabe was like that's a really cool song and Velalto was like yeah it is and so the next day gabe came in and and turned that in as his uh, as his goal song so that's the i didn't even realize that we had specific goal songs but that is fantastic <laughs> See, when you play all your games at, at the practice facility you don't know all these things right so now that you're back at the arena yes there are goal songs well there were i don't know if there still are but there were at one point there were individual uh goal songs yeah you had uh Notorious B.I.G. was the uh, the goal song, if I remember correctly. One of his songs for um, uh, Hypnotize or whatever was one of the, that, yeah. was, that was for that was for Jed. Oh, that's fantastic. That's <laughs> a great one. I know. Uh, I remember. Uh, so the head coach in Grand Rapids, Ben Simon, and I forget if, it was, if he was with the Wol- Chicago Wolves at the time, but uh, his goal song was Benny and the Jets. So <laughs> I thought, yeah, that was that was pretty clever. Uh, no, that's that's. That's great. I, lo- I love that, you know, hockey's a team game ultimately, uh, but having a little bit of individualism uh, is, is, is pretty neat too. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Gabe, he's, he's an interesting guy. Like he's, he's not your, not your typical, you know, just going to go out and, um, you know, go through the motions and, you know, check, you know, uh, punch the clock and go to work type of guy he's gonna he puts in a, a lot of effort and he's very very diligent i mean he's one of the guys that's here probably the longest of any player that i've i've noticed he's always doing something to keep his body in in you know in in, in form um recovery uh whatever it is stretching hitting the ice bath all that type of stuff he's he's around a lot and i haven't got a chance to deal with him on a personal level very often because He's been with the Kings, but um, he he kind of made a point to to stop in every now and then and say hi to, to you know Craig and 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 Heider and uh, he and Maddie Belt are really tight friends and so it's like you, you get to you get a feel for the for the individual a little bit and you know I I got a lot of time for the guy and uh, he's he's at he's at a crossroads for sure but yeah there's a lot of players that were in his his shoot same you know same shoes same skin that haven't even come close to cracking the nhl yet so it's like let's just you know we'll all kind of let this let this you know kind of sort itself out he's a he's a he's a true pro and a guy that'll i i'm confident we'll we'll figure out what what's his best path 
Yeah, we say this all the time, that every player has their own journey, has their own story, and Gabe's clearly yeah. has not been linear from draft day to today, but there's no doubt about this, and that is that Gabe has the most skill. Uh, if you were just to rank all the different attributes of skill uh, among the LA Kings prospects, he's the highest skilled player, so it's all it's up to him, and he has an opportunity to do it, so best of luck to him um, sort of as we move forward. Look, I have like 20 other players. I could talk to you uh, for an hour. I know you have practice, so I'll try to rapid fire through a couple of them. Kachev, you know, just a little bit about the insight into having him on the team. You've had him for a little bit of while, a little bit of time now. Communication wise, we we saw some of the other players at practice with the Kings translating what the coaches were saying. Just what what have uh, what have some of the interactions been like, and what are your thoughts so far? Well, we uh, he's about as unique of a player as I've ever seen. Um, he doesn't ever seem to break a sweat, yet he he's got a high tempo to his to, to his stride and. It is cool and calm. I I don't think I've ever seen a guy who doesn't just doesn't get hit. I mean, th- you can't put a body on him. He <laughs> he gets rid. He doesn't put himself in spots. He doesn't. If he if he does, he's quick to to jump around an opponent. He's so agile. I he he's uh you know it, it, Todd Todd and I talked about this when when I first got the job that some guys. Some guys are out there playing uh, chess and some guys are playing checkers, you know, and he, I mean, this guy should be, uh, you know, front and front and center uh, with playing, playing chess. I mean, he is searching for Bobby Fisher is how smart this guy is out there. So it's <laughs> a nice reference, by the way, I give you, I'll give you kudos for that one. Thank you. Uh, uh, defensively, let's just keep going here before before you hang up and jump on the ice. Uh, we have to talk about Sean Dursey real quick. I know he's not with you. He's up with the Kings. He's oh. tentatively scheduled to make his NHL debut on Sunday, which probably will have already happened by the time we post this. But uh, just Durs, he's you know was leading the uh, the AHL with active defensemen and points. Seem to be putting up a point at night this season for you. Just uh, what have you seen in terms of the growth and development of Sean Dursey here over the last you know uh, two seasons? Well, it's I mean it, you can't. You got 10 games in this year, 10 games in last year. He was this year. He's like plus 10 last year. He was like minus 10. And, uh, we talked about it. it when we last year, if we could fix Sean Dursey's issues, get him to into the plus category, we were going to have a good team. And if we could fix Quentin Byfield's plus minus issues, we were going to have a good hockey team. Not only would it be good for the players, it'd be good for the franchise and, and also the Ontario rain. And, Assuredly, because they're such good players and such good guys, they fix their stuff. Mm-hmm. It, what what's the difference? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, you know, it, it's really just. I, I honestly think with a guy like Durs, he's such a good guy, such a good pro. I keep saying this about the guys you're asking about, but the, it, it is it is you know sort of repetition within our group is we've got great guys who pride their game and I'll have a growth mindset and Durs just kind of sort of chipped away, you know, whether he was getting, he was getting beat wide every game and they were scoring every game on it. On it. And he just isn't doing that anymore. He's, his timing's better. Um, he's a better, better athlete. You know, he's just, He's just a little bit more squared up to his targets than he was last year. That's it. But I mean, there's not like, there was no epiphany. There was no, you know, light switch turn on for him. Um, he might, he might think differently, but 
to me, he just, he just kept his course. He was a steady ship and, uh, you knew that he was always had that, had it in him, but you weren't, it, there was just these times in every game where last year you're like, that all the pucks in our back of our net and it's Durs' fault again. But this year, and it stopped last year and then we haven't seen it hardly at all this year. Okay, I have a couple of other defensemen to ask you about, but I do just want to go on the record and, and say what I've tweeted several times, which is I, I lay the playoff loss last year solely at the feet of Boko Imama and Sean Dursey. If Durs had been in the lineup, I don't think you guys lose that game, and it would have made for a more interesting postseason. So that's well, he's a he's a goal he's a goal difference for sure last yeah. year at that at that time. Yep, you're right. All right, so let's. Uh, parents love these type of questions. So you have two new rookie defensemen. You have Grons and you have Spence. Which one do you love more? <laughs> um who do you love more i there's this uh it, it, okay so I think, let's go robo how are you gonna get out of this one come on all right well you, this one this one might have needed a little bit of a precursor who do i love more uh, no, I when I gave you my long-winded answer earlier, you tripped yeah, me that there was right. there was too much going on. So I just went right all to right, the kill punch. Here we go. Hang in there. I think that I was initially just so enamored with Spence's uh, professionalism, his snap, his pop. He was already like a like a mini pro when he got here. Mm-hmm. So, but and and Helgi, uh, you know, he was a kid that played forward, you know, until like three, four, five years ago, something like that. And he just, he just switched to defenseman. And so he had a lot of, a lot of growing pain. So it, initially you're, you're going to say Spence, you know, like he's just way more refined and ready to go. I couldn't be happier for a kid like Helgi that sort looked like a, a fish out of water at times as a defenseman. And now he's got these games. And so I'm not saying he's perfect, but he's six, three and he's, he's got all the tools that you would want from a, and he's a, and he's a hell of a kid too. That's, you know, they're both, they're both awesome, awesome people, but you know, sometimes with the, the, you know, the Europeans, if they don't have a, a you know, complete command of the language, they're a little bit standoffish or, you know, you don't quite know them as kids yet and people. And this guy's just, he's just awesome. Like he, the way that he's stuck with it and, you know, is comfortable in his skin, I think is, is pretty cool. And, uh, I don't know, you're, you're asking me for what do you like better? If you like, uh, if you like filet or, or, you know, or, or ribeye, it's kind of, they're both, they're both wonderful at the right time. And these guys are, these guys are great. Okay. Well, I prefer filet just, just, just so you know, I'll, I'll take a filet, uh, with a side of cream spinach, but Hey, wow. Look at this, uh, Grands, I mean, let's let's get to the, really what's probably keeping you up at night. I would be thinking here in a couple of weeks, you, you have six defensemen right now. You've had seven, but you they cut the guy from the PTO, so you're at six. You swap out Dursey for Strand. You're still at six. Grands is going to be leaving for World Junior Camp pretty soon. Best time of the year, World Juniors. Uh, but w- what are you going to do defensively? I mean, I, I know Akil Thomas is probably coming back after Thanksgiving, and he's been dying <laughs> to slot in on the blue line. So is that is that the answer? You're gonna you're gonna put 44. I guess he's 14 for you. You're gonna put 14 out there on d or what well you know you know my thoughts on akil how much uh how much i appreciate his his uh tangibles to the team and um he's gonna have a tough time slotting in right now the way that the way that it shakes out i yeah and also you know this about me that i don't really think too far in the future uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
something something will shake itself out and it always uh, does <laughs> and coaches coaches coach and managers manage and we've got very good managers okay so, that's that's weak but i'm gonna let you off the hook because i know that i've that kept is, you for too long the, that is the answer i I, they'll they'll figure something out. Something will right. something work itself out. They, they know what they're doing. All right. Warm bodies will show up in Ontario. Um, uh, two two final questions. And one is just the new team coming out to uh, Coachella Valley, the Seattle Krakens AHL team, the Firebirds. Do you have any thoughts or opinions about the name? Did you like it? Is it cool? Or you really don't care? You know, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit more of a traditionalist when it comes. I thought the Kraken was just, is an awesome name. Mm-hmm. Um just because of the, I don't know, I don't know if you got any Irish uh, background or or any anything with that, but uh, the Irish have a saying: get get on the crack, uh, and it's a, that's like uh, it's like I having a good time, okay. and and I I love saying that with the puck, like get that puck cracking mm-hmm. when you when you pass it in practice, like let's get that thing cracking around it. So you know, it's diff- different noise when you pass the puck properly. So I, I really liked that name. I thought it was I thought it was unique. Uh, I haven't really taken any time to absorb the Coachella Valley <laughs> okay. fire. All right. Well, they we'll, got, talk, they, we'll they, t- marketing marketing has to sell has to sell tickets and sell sell uniforms. They know what's unique, and um, I don't. My my brother loves the the minor league baseball teams. He's, he collects the minor league baseball hats, whether it's the Savannah Sand Crabs, or you know, we, I come from a town. We got the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. That's one of the one of the highest selling, you know, logos. Uh, whatever. So I I am I got all, all the time in the world for whatever fuels the economy and keeps uh, keeps people uh, with jobs. Well, it's definitely fueling the economy in Coachella Valley because our buddies over at Violent Gentlemen they've opened up a uh, retail store uh, for for the merchandise, and I guess they've just been selling out, selling through everything um, over the last couple of weeks. So it, it's doing phenomenal. So we'll have to see when the arena's done, get some games going out there. Hey, come on now, it, it's never a bad thing when the American Hockey League is getting new arenas. Like uh, I know you're not going to say it, but I mean, who wants to go to Bakersfield? Who wants to go to Stockton? I mean, you want to go, you want to go to some of the nicer places, and they're going to have a brand new building out there in the desert yeah great yeah sure that sounds awesome yeah no i i, I, I do i do like the the palm springs area it'll be it'll be fun but yeah no you, you're uh i don't know i love i love baco i mean i used to when i played for fresno um those games in bakersfield were electric and so i you know you're in, in stockton for that matter they used to have tremendous crowds i don't know how it's going anymore but um the, the crowds in Stockton were, were great too. So yeah, I wasn't talking players. about the fans. I'm talking about the amenities, you know, the locker rooms are a little <laughs> bit nicer in some of the newer buildings. That's, that's all I'm saying. Sure. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. For the, it's great for the boys, but uh, yeah, no, I'll leave that one alone. That's fine. Here's your last question of the day. Then I've been saving my best one uh, for the very end. So Glenn Murray was recently a guest on the program and uh, he threw the gauntlet down. He, you know, you talked earlier. I think the very first answer you gave today, you were talking about the ocean and the waves coming from behind you. Uh, just to get to the point, you probably heard it because you listened to Kings of the Podcast. Glenn Murray called you out. He thinks that you're afraid to get out in the ocean and, and go surfing with them. Oh, is that what got thrown down? I, 
yeah, it started I, as a pickleball conversation because I was I was talking about pickleball and that sort of stuff. And I guess some of the coaches are playing pickleball. And uh, yeah, Muzz was talking about being out in the ocean and going surfing. And, and he was saying that, first of all, he was saying that he's going to, with his little click, they're going to scout you guys playing pickleball. And then he thinks after a little bit of a scouting session, they can take you down. And then he upped the challenge beyond that and was like, yeah, but, you know, Rovo's just scared. He won't get in the ocean. He won't, he won't try surfing with us. That is awesome. So... <laughs> I, I with Muzz, it's not surprising because he's yeah yeah he's just a, he's a you know he's a buster he he can throw around the jabs very as well as any any person I've ever been around so he's a beauty that way uh, it, it's already uh, premature to say that I won't get out in the water with those guys because I uh, and Mr Blake wouldn't remember this but in two thousand and seven. I was living out in Manhattan beach in the summer trying to figure out my life after I got done playing before I got into coaching. So, and, uh, Mr. Blake and I shared a, shared a, uh, surfing session. Oh, really? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, that's correct. No, wait so, a minute. Right out, how, how do we I, get, how do we get to November of 2021? And that story has never come out. You've never shared it. I've never heard it. What's going on. It, it, why would no one no one's asked me about surfing <laughs> before so so i was living i was living with my buddies on 28th street in manhattan beach and uh mr blake doesn't live far he lives right in the strand right right down there and i was out out surfing one morning and uh sure enough we were right we're out there chatting and because what he at the time he, he had been teammates with a good a good friend of mine john lyles who played with the avalanche uh, pretty much his whole career a little bit at the end of, with boston um carolina but uh but yeah, uh, we we were out there uh, hitting the waves, and I said, "Hey, you probably don't remember, uh, but you know, I was I met you met you in Denver a couple of years ago because I was just getting done playing. I was 26 at the time, and yeah, he's like, oh, well, yeah, Johnny, just tell him tell him hi.' And you know, it was we caught a few waves, and it went it wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have been anything for him at the time, but uh, something I'd never forget. Man, I totally wish the story had gone differently. I wish that he was like, get out of here, kid. Locals only. You know, like that would have been, you know, come on. I want it, I want it to be like in the movies, like North Shore or Point Break. I'm sorry. Point Break was the movie. That was the one with. Yeah, uh, yeah that's the one. Yeah, get out of here, back, kid. Go back. Go back to the, uh, the valley. <laughs> yeah, go back to the valley. <laughs> no, no, it was uh, it true, true form. Uh, you know, and I'm. I'm 26 at the time. He's probably, he's not much older than that. He's probably 30, 32 at the time. And, uh, something, something along those lines and in the prime of his career. And, you know, he's just out there getting a little exercise in, in the morning, in the summer, you know, August. So damn it, Blakey. I was hoping for a better story. Oh, well, but Hey, just, nah, know, just, that was it. That <laughs> just was it. know that, uh, know that, know that, uh, Muzz has a tendency to, uh, break people's boards. You can ask him about that. Uh, Nelson Emerson did not have a good experience surfing with them down in San Clemente. I'll leave you with that. Uh, Robo, it's been awesome. I know you have to get on the ice. Thank you so much. Good talking with you. Good catching up. Best of luck this weekend against Stockton and, uh, we'll catch up soon. All right. See you, Mayor. There you go. John Robleski. We'll talk more about that on the other side of the break.
Welcome back. Third period here on Kings of the Podcast. Thanks again to John Robleski for taking some time, a lot of time, out uh, of his busy schedule to join us here on Kings of the Podcast. Always a good time to talk to Robo. One minor correction uh, in that interview there, again, because we taped it on Saturday afternoon and we're now recording this on Sunday afternoon. Over the last 24 hours, DB, another swerve coming out of the Kings camp. Coach Todd McClellan was planning on, allegedly, playing defenseman Sean Dursey to make his NHL debut against the Arizona Coyotes. And no, that's not happening, Dennis. <laughs> Just when you think you know the answer, the Todd Father seems the question. So, yeah, so, John, any indication of when he will play? No, there's no indication. There's really no indication of why he wouldn't play because, Dennis, here's the thing. It was set up perfectly for Jersey to make his his debut even before, right? They were talking about it before the game yesterday. Now, fast forward after the game against Carolina, there absolutely would be a reason because pre the game versus Carolina, I think we could have done a whole show debating, well, who's coming out of the lineup to make room for Jersey? Do you give Bjornfoot a rest? Do you I mean, do you possibly rest Mikey Anderson? Oli Mata would be somebody that a lot of people point to. Hey, Alex Edler, he's not a young spring chicken anymore. Maybe you don't want to play him on back-to-back games. Maybe you let Jersey slide in for him. I mean, we could have done a whole debate about which of these defensemen would have been resting to get Jersey into the lineup, right? But then the, the, the conversation kind of helped itself because you look at the performance of some of those defensemen, I think two of them, had a minus four in the Carolina game. But it was yep. served up on a platter, and you're playing the Arizona Coyotes. I mean, That's come on. the point, Sean. There you go. There you go. If you're going to put a guy in as a, a debut, soft landing, make it Arizona, less pressure. Like, John, here's the choice. Carolina Hurricanes or Arizona Coyotes for a guy who's making the debut. Of course mm-hmm. you want to do it on the back end. So, yeah, and I agree. And I, I agree. You can't, you know, it might be a situation where the older cats on the blue line are getting tired. I mean, they need a rest I think the timing would have been opportunistic, but, you know, I guess Cockfather is better than we do. But here's another thing, Dennis. Let's just play it out a little bit further. You go, okay, well, Toronto's coming in on Wednesday, so maybe you're going to hold him back for Toronto, right? There's a history there, right? He's from the area. He also was drafted by the Leafs, you know, going against his former team. Everybody loves the story there. But, hey, Dennis, what happens if tonight the Kings beat Arizona 6-0 and they get three goals from the blue line? Hypothetically speaking, of course. You don't want to make a change on the blue line then. Like, now is the time to make the change coming off the Carolina game, not going into the Toronto game when you potentially have some momentum. So this really was a head scratcher in a season that's been full of quite a few head scratchers. Agreed. And, and John, that's a, one hell of a hypothetical you put up there. <laughs> Three goals by the blue line. Well, Edler almost got it. I think it was like 76 or 77 games. Edler almost got it. I was listening to the radio call. And, and by the way, um, Josh Schaefer sat in for Nick Nixon and did an excellent call. I was listening, driving around the city, and he did a great call with uh, – with Daryl Evans, so and I thought the, the first call was that it was Edler's first, yes, you know, first goal in like seventy some on gauge and hundred goal, but then I went up going to Tempe. But uh, yeah, I, I think that I think some people will pay some hard tax to some three goals from the blue line at any uh, on any uh, any night. To, to they have one goal from the blue line this year, Dennis, and it's from a guy who's not even in the lineup, and for that matter, he's not even a healthy scratch. He's in a red no contact jersey. So, <laughs> one goal from the defenseman uh, would be nice. I, I was just trying to make it a you know worst case or maybe best case scenario from a hypothetical. Sure. I don't want to let your comments slip by though, because there's few things in life better than a good "I told you so." And Dennis, I've been telling yeah. people now for a better part of a year, the dude calls a great game. It's very enjoyable to listen yeah. to, and I'm going to yeah. double down on yeah. it because there's a guy that we've had on the pro program twice already and Steven Nelson he called the Blackhawks yeah. game yesterday and your yeah. boy Tab yeah. from Chicago was texting me he was drooling all over the place he loved the yeah. game that Steven Nelson called so 
Yesterday was great. No, it's, it's great to see our friends doing well, and, and Nelly's a really, really good guy. And uh, yeah, and Justin, because I was, I assumed that because Alex Fox was probably doing some football yesterday that Nick Nixon went over to the TV side. He was doing the play-by-play, and, and Josh was absolutely delivered. I'm like, wow, like who is this? I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I think I remember you told me that he was filming in that he was down in Ontario. But yeah, excellent call, and uh, it's great for the uh, people to do that listen on iHeartRadio. Yeah, so right now while we are recording this game, Josh is over there calling the Ontario Rain game on the uh, AHL TV, which, by the way, is still one of the best bargains out there in sports. But this period, Dennis, was uh, designed to talk about the LA Kings, so let's do that. Dustin Brown slipped down to the third line recently. You had Kempe, Kopitar, and Arvidsson up top. I have followed Deneau and Double A. Pretty much like we talked about on the previous podcast. So thanks to Todd McClellan for listening, taking our suggestions. We appreciate that. Um, but here's the thing, Dennis. I'm not sure if he had time to uh, read the article on Mayor's Manor that went out this morning before filling out his lineup card. Because as of this moment, as of this afternoon, we're about three, four hours away, I think, from puck drop, Dennis. Well, maybe not that long. It's almost four o'clock now. But uh, three hours away from puck drop, we still don't know what the Kings are going to do at forward tonight, Dennis. And you have to think that Grunstrom and or Leah Anderson need to draw into the lineup. So I'll pose the question to you. If either one or both were to draw into the lineup tonight, who would you scratch to make room for them? I, I don't know. I know they come in up to office jump. They scored four goals but, uh, on Saturday. So I don't know, to be frank. I, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't. Lemieux scored, so it wouldn't be him. Lazat scored as well. I don't know. I, I don't really have a good answer at this point, even though I think I always have a good answer. I I, I would hate to say scratch 23, but if you're going to play 10 minutes a night, yeah, I mean, what's the point of us playing 10 minutes a night? I know, look, he's one the time. He has to score. He may be pressing, but I, do you give a guy like that a rest? I just don't think it sends the, the right signal. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I well, I mean, I think there are four candidates if you really had to pick who the four would be, but I, the fourth one is, is not really on my list. The fourth one being number 23, Dustin Brown, as you mentioned. Um, you only put him on the third line there, you know, recently, so give him a chance to really get going there. And um, I, I would say that the three most likely choices would be Trevor Moore, Kapari, or Kaliev for various reasons. And just to back up a second, right. Lemieux and Lazat, I wrote in the article this morning, to me, they're like the lighter version of Ayafalo and Dano. They found some yeah. magical chemistry they, that they did. you never yeah. would have expected 46 and 48 to be in the lineup in no. pen every night. But, man, they're not no. coming out of the lineup anytime soon. So that gets you to... That gets you to the the three people that we talked. I just mentioned, I guess Kapari, Kaliev, and more. Yeah. And um, I guess I just like Kapari and Kaliev in the lineup more than I do Trevor Moore. So I would put Grunstrom or Anderson. Either one depends if you want to play heavy or if you want to play skill game. I'd put one of those yeah. guys in on that third line with Kapari and Brown. And if I was trying to do both, I'll be honest, Dennis. If I was trying to get both guys into the lineup, I mean, I, I just I'd flip a coin. I don't know. I don't know who the second scratch yeah. would be to, to fit the other guy in. Yeah, totally agree. And, and yeah, I think maybe Kalia, give him a blow, maybe that's just, a, you know, because you know, he's got to come out. He, he, I know that people say he's a, a better passer than people think. Mm-hmm. Like, no, he doesn't pass. He should not be, shoot the puck every friggin' time. Mm-hmm. Right? So maybe sit him out. Because, look, he's still at the, at the very beginning of his development curve. So I think he's not going to really damage him too much in his time. So I could see that. That's one candidate, but I agree with you. When you go too deep, I can't give you another guy. I, I wouldn't take more out. He does too many things. And you scratch it, he's going to, I guess, more would have to go into the middle. 
well. well, and that's the other thing is the whole center thing uh, complicates everything because I would agree with you that, yes. you know, if you, if you scratch Kaliev, you, you can make the argument. I mean, you hate resting the kids, but it, it, you could do it to try to get one of the other guys in there like a Grunstrom or an Anderson. Yes. But if you ended up scratching Kapari for whatever reason, yeah, then, then you're trying to figure out what do you do at center where normally you might move Lazat up just from an experience perspective. You know, he's played more center than Trevor Moore, but then you'd be breaking up Lazat and Lemieux and you're not taking that tandem up to the third line. So it just becomes confusion stacked upon a con- confusion stacked upon confusion. It's it, it, they, Here's the thing. While they have too many forwards, Dennis, they don't have the right mix of forwards in terms of options, left side, right side, center. Find, right. Yeah. The bottom six, you're right. They're still trying to find it. Yeah, yeah. The bottom six is is definitely uh, a work in progress. And look, the elephant in the room too, Dennis, is number thirty three. I'm going to keep saying this until something changes. I think it's time to get Victor Arvidsson off the top line. Now, that being said, I don't have a solution of where you put him, right? Because if you put him on the second line, I'm not prom- I'm not in favor of promoting double uh, A to the top line. So I mm-hmm. I, I don't sure. know I don't know who you put on the top line when you move thirty three because you're not breaking up Iafalo into no so. 33 would end up taking 22 yeah. spot on the second line. I, I don't know how you piece it together. I just know that Victor Arvidsson and, and, and Kopitar have not been a perfect marriage up until yeah. this point. It, it might work down yeah. the line, though. It might work it later. Could, John, yeah. yeah. The bingo card's getting filled up, and there's no bingo. That's the problem. <laughs> it's a lot, a lot, you got a lot of numbers covered, but you don't have anything that's paying off. So, yeah, I, maybe you keep Arvidsson because it's, He's a different type of player than Kempe on the other side. Like he's a gritty, and I think it's a situation where he's a situation of just timing because his skating looks good. He's getting moved to the net, but his timing at the net hasn't been great. And you know, like like Justin, like he's the same same guy. He he came in score goals first and foremost. Great, great energy, whatever. You know, tough guy, gritty. You need to score goals. So I, I agree. I think if you who are you going to promote? So you just fight. Maybe by default you're going to leave him off there, right? Not because it's some tremendous second option that you have for the top line. Well, unfortunately, I think that the best option at that point would be to move Dustin Brown back up to the top line. So it would have been great if he would have done something on the third line that you could have said, okay, okay, he's fine. And then you could have put Brown up on the first line, dropped Ardvidsson to the second line, and then moved double A to the third line. That could have been a really fun line to watch, by the way. Anderson, Kapari, and double A, that could have been a lot of fun to watch. So I don't know how it all shakes out. And obviously... When you're playing a team like the Arizona Coyotes, if you're Todd McClellan, you're hoping that you're going to get healthy. You're hoping that a lot you get a lot of feel-good moments out of it for your team and some some confidence because things aren't going to get any easier on Wednesday night when Toronto's here, Dennis. Oh yeah, uh, totally. Uh, and they, I mean, they get a respite, and you don't want to minimize Arizona because they're an NHL team. But right, they go from right Car- Washington, Carolina, two big tests tonight should be a breather in Arizona, but then back on the horse against Toronto and. You know, we'll see him tonight. And Toronto, the key to the Toronto, John, is he's a really good defense now. Jack Campbell's been amazing. And they're a solid defensive team. They're not blowing people out. So it's going to be one of those 3-2-2-1 grinding games probably on Wednesday. And you're going to need some goal scoring to, to win that game. Well, I don't want to be Debbie Downer on Arizona, but in the eight games they played last year, yeah. the Arizona Coyotes managed three wins against the Los Angeles Kings. And Dennis, guess what? 
all three of them came right. in Los Angeles. So if you're yeah. if you're the Kings and you're looking across the aisle tonight uh, and you see the Arizona Coyotes and you look at their record and see where they are in the standings, you just might want to take a quick trip down memory lane. The Arizona Coyotes beat the LA Kings in LA three times last year. So they're on a three-game winning streak. And uh, Jacob Chikrin, by the way, has points in six straight games against the LA Kings. So uh, yeah. they do need to take this team seriously. Yeah, well, they do get a break, though, because remember Michael Bunting scored like 25 goals against them last year? <laughs> well, he's now in Toronto. He's playing in Toronto, I think, on the, he maybe the second line. So they get a break because Bunting killed him last year. I think he scored, he got a hat trick in one of those games. I think uh, one of the first games he's ever played, he got a hat trick against LA. So no Michael Bunting might help the team. I'll pass 50 on Sunday night. Well, DB, that would only be a 72-hour break because uh, Bunting and the Leafs will be in town on Wednesday night. So That's it's true. That's it's kind true. of like different combination. It's just like delaying your pain is all it is. But uh, hey, look, we'll let you get back to the fun. Uh, we won't talk about football today. I uh, hope you had fun at the game, but I'm very disappointed in the Buffalo Bills. Terrible performance against yeah, the Colts. Uh, thankfully, the Broncos had the week off, so uh, we won't have to talk about them. Uh, they take on the Chargers, by the way, next weekend. So that, yeah. you have that going for you. But anyway. Anyway, uh, DB, have have a great trip. Safe travels. We'll see you back in L.A. here in a couple of days. Appreciate you finding some time to jump on and do this. And uh, I'm sure the L.A. Kings will give us more to talk about in their performance against the Coyotes. John, one final before I go. Absolutely. Calgary was here to open the, the, the arena last night. And Calgary's fourth line, Milan Lucic, Brad Richardson, and Trevor Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> well, hashtag Sutter gonna Sutter. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> hey, uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently Dwight King sent Sutter a text before the game and said, what, you don't have room for me? I heard that's what happened. Exactly. I, I don't know if that's true or not, though. But that's. I think, I think, that's, a, I think that's a reliable source, though. That makes it so happen. All right, DB. Have a great week, everybody. Right. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll be talking to you soon. That's it for this episode. See ya.